Good morning. Circumcision. Is not the topic for today. Some of you may know what I'm alluding to, but for others, you might need to explain such a weird, awkward sentence to start with. Uh, but three weeks ago, I, I saw a couple that I thought was just starting to recently attend here at Good News. So I went over to them and said, hello, my name is Doug. And they immediately stopped me and said, oh, we know who you are. You're the pastor who always preaches about circumcision. <laughs> well, not today. Uh, let me explain. Again, we have done 28 sermons on the life of Paul. And in that series that we're doing, there have been a few times where Paul has to address the topic of circumcision. And it just seemed to be that the preaching schedule was that whenever that topic came up, I was the guy that had to preach that topic. Well, today is a standalone sermon, and I've given it the title, as you see there on the screen, The Truth, The Whole Truth, Nothing But The Truth. Back in June and July, I was considering uh, what to lead our community group in that would enable and strengthen a biblical worldview, one that's based on the Bible. Uh, we really want our group to be a rock-solid biblical worldview group. Um, as a matter of fact, to give credit where credit is due, uh, part of our community group is responsible for this sermon today. Like the content that I'm going to share, some of it came right out of our community group. So I know that's a little bit of this area right over here. So there they are. Uh, if it's right, give them credit. If it's wrong, it's their fault. And so we'll go with all that um, as we go. Truth is under attack. It has always been under attack ever since its enemy, Satan, was cast out of heaven. So for a long, long time, truth has been at war. In our community group, we started with the question that at first it seemed relatively easy to answer, but then by confession of a lot of people in our group, they said, oh, this is a little harder than we expected it to be. They put some thought into it. It was difficult. One of the guys said that to me, that it was not as easy as I thought it was going to be. His daughter, at the end of our study time, our talking time, she said to me, I am so glad that you did not call on me. I don't know what I would have said to answer that question. And I realized that in a room that's laid out like this, uh, giving answers, a full explanation would be quite difficult, a little bit of a challenge. It's not like just answering yes or no. But I'm going to ask you the question, and in your mind or on paper, you can write out your own answer if you'd like to. And the question is this. What is truth? In a sermon entitled, The Truth, The Whole Truth, and Nothing But the Truth, it seems highly appropriate to have a definition or an answer for the question, what is truth? Now, I know that some of you are very familiar with true and false quizzes, right? So you guys in that part of your life where you are taking true and false quizzes? Others of you probably remember true and false quizzes. Personally, I thought they were the best like 50-50 chance to get it right, multiple choice, usually four choices, 25% chance, and oh, the dreaded fill in the blank. Only one answer counts. I hated those. Well, I have a quiz for you. And before I give it to you, I want to remind you of something that Mario has said on more than one occasion, and that is this. We want you to get the answers right. Like this is going to be an easy quiz. I think you'll get these right. I hope you get these questions right. I am not a fan of a teacher who tries to trick the students. 
I, I have had a season in my life where I actually had teachers who would brag about how they would trick the students. Like, yes, I got them on quizzes and things. I am, it's not that kind of quiz. Are you ready? True or false? This is a picture of a fall autumn day. Why are you laughing? It's a true and false question. Answer? True. I figured it was a long, hot summer. Bringing fall in a little bit is a good thing to do. So this is one of my choices. I even dress like the occasion. Tomorrow, our family leaves for vacation up to the mountains. I might sleep in this. Like, I'm ready to go. True. Question number two, you can use your fingers if needed. Two plus two equals five. False. You are doing so good. Who has 100% so far? Yes. Great. Last question. Number three. This is a picture of an apple. True. And you're like, ooh, you are insulting my intelligence. But I would say to you, wait a minute. How do you know that that is an apple? And, and this shape that looks like the shape of an apple, what color would you say it is? Red. How do you know it's red? Truth is not quite as simple as making a simple definition across the board without putting a little bit of thought and energy into it. There was a survey taken on what is truth, and it's in a three-minute video, and I want to show it to you right now. Video. What is truth? Truth is... Truth is just uh, when... I don't know. That's a really hard question. What, what is, is truth? truth? Truth is really hard to define because a lot of different people have different set of beliefs. Present moment is truth, I think. What is truth? Truth will set you free. I truly believe there's a difference between fact and truth. Truth is very hard to give a definition to, I think. Truth is what kind of guides you. The lack of guilt is truth. Truth. I like to think of as, imagine a cathedral of the world, and there are windows, lots of windows in this cathedral, and truth, with a capital T, shines through the windows. So when I ask you something, you just have to tell them the truth. People expect people to tell the truth. I think truth is a belief system. Fact is concrete, like there's a brown table here. but. If you want to believe it's blue, then that's your truth, that's your reality. Truth is what really happened. Truth is honesty, is truth. Everybody sees things in different ways, so one person's memory can be different from another person's memory and what happened. There are people out there who say there is no truth. You can just create your own truth. I define truth as the way the Bible has given us instruction to live. And then we, humans, are inside and we're looking at this truth shining through all these windows. We're seeing the refraction, the reflection, we're looking at it out of our own eyes and heart, and we're, we understand it in a way that makes sense for us. In a philosophical sense or a factual sense, if you're talking philosophy, different people with different value systems may have different what they see as truth. Uh, if you look at truth is fact, then you have historical facts you can verify, you have scientific facts. So therefore, I might interpret truth through the lens of Christianity. I might interpret truth through the lens of science. I tend toward more of the empirical 
truth of, of facts. Something is true when uh, it's untainted. You're talking on the materialistic level. Uh, truth is two and two. Two is four. There's no way around it. You're talking on the spiritual level, which is a much higher realm. You're talking about the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. All religions believe that what they believe is the law of the universe. I have a bit of the truth. You have a bit of the truth. Each of us does. Truth is always with us. Truth is just believing in somebody or not. There has to be a fixed truth, in my opinion, for the universe to function properly. What is truth? It's a relative. A lot of different ideas about what truth really is. That video was just a short clip out of a bigger video series done by the um, Focus on the Family uh, Truth Project there. So truth and understanding truth is fundamentally paramount to each and every human being. So fundamental that, I don't know if you realize this or not, so fundamental that it was the reason that Jesus was born and came into the world. Just hours before Jesus would be crucified, he was standing before Pilate, and he had just finished Pilate telling him that his kingdom was not of this world, but that it was in another place. And Pilate responds in John 18, verse 37, like this. He says, so you are a king, said Pilate. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. It was an incredible scene. Jesus, for the most part, this night had been silent, and now he speaks. And part of the things he says is, the reason I was born, the reason I came into the world was to testify to the truth. Have you ever been asked to testify about something? Where do we often think of if you have to testify about something? Courtroom. And what's usually the protocol before taking the witness stand? You raise your right hand, or you put it on a what? A Bible. And you take an oath, and you promise. Promise to do what? To tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Truth is such a big deal that Jesus came to the earth to take the witness stand and to testify on the behalf of truth. For this reason he was born. For this reason he came into the world. And once he was here, he spoke in a very deliberate way. If you were to chart all the words of Jesus recorded in the Bible, if you have one of those fancy red-lettered editions, it makes it a little easier. But if you were to chart all the sentences that he would say, you would find that he says a lot of sentences by starting it this way. I tell you the truth. Or he says, truly, I say unto you. In the book of Matthew alone, he uses this time and time and time again. I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. Maybe of interest to us is Matthew 21, 21. I tell you the truth. If you have faith and do not doubt, maybe that makes Mario's sermon next week as we enter a new series on doubt. But I want you to see that 75 times Jesus uses the phrase, he starts a phrase with, I tell you the truth. And in the book of John, 25 more times. Here's 13 of them. 
He uses what we call a double emphatic. Truly, truly, I say to you, all throughout Scripture, a double emphatic is, is how he's working here. And it says there that it really means like truly, truly, it's like saying amen, amen. Now, we usually associate that word with at the end of a prayer. Jesus says amen before making a statement. And this is significantly important in doing so. It implies that what follows is true, but also that the person making the statement, they have firsthand knowledge and authority about it. So when Jesus leads out with the words, I tell you the truth, or truly, truly, or verily, verily, I say unto you, when Jesus starts that way, he is not merely saying, believe me, this is true. It includes that. This goes way deeper in meaning that this is just Jesus's opinion about the truth. He is actually saying, I know this to be true firsthand because I am the one who spoke the truth into existence. Building a rock-solid worldview hinges upon knowing truth. And knowing truth as where it originates from. I, I love the Silver River right down the road from us. There is a fountainhead of spring water that just comes gushing out that leads into the Ocklawaha River. Or how, how, the, how our fountainhead of the sun gives us warmth and light. And in a much grander way, God is the fountainhead of all truth. God is the source of truth. Truth just flows out of Him. It gushes out of Him. There is a prominent theme all throughout Scripture and one of the themes is truth. I want to just walk us through the book of John let you see the emphasis that is put on the topic, the theme of truth. John 1.17 For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. John 17.17 17, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. John 4.24 God is the Spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. John 14, God is, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. John 16, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. John 14, 6, this is a verse that came up in our community group. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you think verses like this fly in the face of our culture that is growingly more and more despising of God? A culture that is so easily offended to suggest that for a person to believe in such a narrow-minded concept like, really? Jesus is the only way? He's the only truth? Oh, come on. You talk about being a narrow-minded, bigoted idea. That's it. But I would appeal to you. Truth is narrow. You ask any math teacher, one plus one is two. That's narrow. Any other answer is wrong. One plus one is two. That's reality. And any other reality than that is wrong. And that student could stand in front of their math teacher's desk as sincere as sincere can be and say, I want one and one to be three. That's my answer. And they would be sincerely wrong. 
Sincerity doesn't make something true. It only makes it sincere. Truth corresponds with reality. And to be even more exact, truth corresponds with reality as perceived by God. Because God's perspective of reality is never distorted. It's always a perfect perception of reality. And that ain't so with us human beings. If you want my answer to the question of what is truth, and truthfully, even if you don't want it, I'm going to give it to you anyway. Here it is. Truth is reality as perceived by God. Truth is reality as perceived by God. It's absolute. Truth that is never distorted or confused by God. He always has a perfect perception of reality. Not that one of my definitions would ever be compared with Noah Webster, but here it comes. Noah Webster, in his 1828 edition, defines truth as this. Conformity to fact or reality, exact accordance with that which is or has been or shall be. And then at the end of his definition, he writes this. We rely on the truth of scriptural prophecies. Boy, we have come a long way in 190 years. You will not find that attachment at the end of a definition today. Have you noticed that we are living in a culture where it is deemed very arrogant to say that one person is right and that another person is wrong, especially when it comes to spiritual truth? Yeah, back to the math teacher thing. What parent would march into the teacher's classroom and demand that their children be given credit for saying one plus one is three? Anyone going to do that? No, because truth is narrow. There are mathematical principles in place, there are life principles in place, and there are spiritual principles that are in place. You can't have it both ways. This is why college students in our community group are very frustrated, are extremely concerned for the education professors at their public state universities who are training the next generation of teachers by saying things like, when you enter into your classroom, you can no longer use the words boys and girls when you're referring to your elementary students. There's no more boys sit down, girls sit down, boys line up, girls line up. Now you have to use words like children, you sit down. Or folks, let's line up for go out to recess time now. Truth is under attack. This is more than just a gender situation. Truth is under attack. Another person in our community group brought up the point that just as September 22nd, one of our military branches just put forth their new policies on diversity programs. And they are instructing all incoming cadets to refrain from using their parents' gender as mom and dad. And not to be in a relationship, not to say that they are in a relationship of using terms like girlfriend or boyfriend. Subtle attacks on truth. Postmodernism is bad enough, but a post truth culture will far exceed in damages. Thank goodness for John 8 32. 
you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free from what? If truth sets people free, then what were they before they became true? Bound and captive. One of the reasons that truth is so prominent throughout the Bible is because of how closely it is linked and it connects to salvation. 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. Knowledge of the truth leads to salvation. That's the only way it happens. And I know sometimes we talk to people and they'll talk about like, oh yeah, the light bulb came on and I understood truth. Or I had that aha moment and truth came. Or I experienced this and I found truth. And all that is true. All that can be very true. But it is when the knowledge of truth harpoons a person that their spiritual eyes are opened and their ears, spiritual ears, are opened and they are saved. They are free. Truth has set them free. And then God, in his incredible goodness, Once a person is saved, he outfits them, he dresses them with the most fantastic spiritual armor. I don't know if it's coincidence or not, but look how every Christian is to be dressed every day of his or her life in Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. Be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. This is why you must take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the day, evil day. And having prepared everything to take your stand, watch this, verse 14, stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with the readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take the shield of faith, and with it you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. I don't know if it's coincidental or not, but if you look at this, the very first piece is the belt of truth, and the very last piece is the sword of the armor, And again, remember the sword, John 17, 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. It's like they are the bookends of our spiritual armor and everything else is in between. Truth is the foundation upon which we must build a worldview. It is flat out incredible, amazing. God wants everyone to be saved and salvation comes and can only come through the knowledge of truth. Who wouldn't want this truth? Like, why, well, why, well, why isn't this happening more often? The Bible addresses it, and it tells us why. Look what the Bible has to say about what we do as human beings with truth. Got a slide for that? Yeah, we do. We distort the truth. We suppress the truth. We reject the truth. And we exchange the truth for a lie. That's how it happens. And if we go back to our verse in John 18, 37, right after Jesus answered Pilate saying, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify the truth. And then he says this, 
everyone on the side of truth listens to me. It's as if Jesus is drawing a line in the sand and he's making an implication here that there are two sides. There is a side of truth, which means that there is a side of lies, deceit. And every person lands on one side or the other. And why is that important? Because where you land, it determines your eternal destiny. Oh, would we pray for people to hear the truth and not suppress it and not reject it and not exchange it for a lie, but that it would have its powerful impact and that they would come to the knowledge of Jesus. It's so closely connected truth and salvation. And there's also another prominent theme throughout the Bible. And that is the prominent theme that Scripture connects deception and sin together. People sin, I think, probably for two main reasons. One, it's what we naturally do. It's like an unsatisfiable hunger. Our sin nature is always wanting more and more and more. That's one reason why. A second reason why people sin is because of deception and being deceived. Do you remember how the very first sin back in the Garden of Eden played out? Satan, through the serpent, deceived. And that deception led to the very first sin. I was thinking this week, just how how most of us, if not all of us, how we have come to enjoy deception. Like, who doesn't like a good magic trick? Or or, Or the card tricks with the sleight of hand stuff going on? Think about all the the number of books and novels, the mysteries that we really get into. You know why we really get into them? Because of the deception that's all intertwined in between it. It's the same thing with movies and TV. I mean, law and order. It's good stuff. And sports. One of my favorite things. Think of all the deception that takes place during the game. I mean, those football coaches, every time they show them on the sideline, they've got that little paper across their mouth. They don't want anyone to see what they're saying because they're trying to be sneaky. They're trying to deceive something. And the quarterback gets the play, and he gets over there, ready, set, hike. And what's he do? He turns and he fakes the ball to the running back. He deceives the other team. And then he spins around, and he throws it deep down the sideline. And the receiver catches it, and it's a touchdown. Touchdown, touchdown. Yes, we deceived them. We deceived them. Well, I don't know if we think about it like that. But that's what's going on. Right? They don't come up to the line of screens and go, hey, y'all, we're going to throw it over there. Can you imagine going to war that way? Oh, let's just tell them what we're going to do. It's kind of amazing how we think about deception and how we're really kind of into it. Speaking of deception... Have any of y'all been seeing what's going on these last several months? There are people who are leaving their homes, and when they come home, there are masked men waiting for them. This has been happening over several months. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You haven't seen this? Yes? Yeah? All right. This is what happens. This is, it's not, it's happening all over the United States. Washington, New York, Chicago, Atlanta, Houston. Los Angeles, it's happening in Canada. It's happening over diamonds. 
that there is a guy, he leaves home, and they have it all planned out so good that they let him go a little ways, and they make him turn left. And they have this pattern down to a science where they go a little bit further and turn left, and they turn him a third time turning left, and they're headed straight home. And when they're on their way home, there are two masked men waiting for them. You guys have not seen this over the last several months? It has been going on all the time. Thousands of people have witnessed it. It's on TV. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Oh, some people know what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like eight people not deceived and everyone else might be going, oh. Like everything I just said was true. It's been going on for several months. Happened in all those cities. It happens over a diamond. (laughs) Baseball fields are called diamonds. They make a series of lefts. And there are two masked men waiting for them. (laughs) Now, I think it's really important that a pastor not deceive his people that he really loves and cares about. So I want to apologize to you (laughs) if I deceived you. Uh, But there was a point, and if only all deception was maybe as innocent But the reality is, deception is very, very dangerous and powerful. Satan is called the father of lies. It is his main go-to. And lies and deception are so closely connected to sin. I got another chart that I wanted you to see just showing how it's all connected. Um, Let's take Romans 7.11. For sin deceived me and through the commandment it put me to death another romans 125 they exchanged the truth of god for a lie deception and when that happened instead of worshiping the creator they worship creation this is why I think you can make the argument that every sin we commit is traced back to deception. Like we sin because it's our nature, but we also sin because of a lie that we're believing. We've been duped. Hebrews 3.13 is a very encouraging verse for us. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We must acknowledge that sin is very deceitful and that then sin corrupts and sin kills. That's the picture that is painted all throughout Scripture. We are living in a culture that is losing touch with reality and truth as it continues to swap truth for a lie. It it is as important as it's ever been to encourage each other to be grounded on the truth claims of God. Popularity doesn't make something true. Majority doesn't make something true. Feelings don't make something true. What makes the most noise in the news doesn't make something true. I tell you this 
so that no one will deceive you by fine-sounding persuasive arguments. That's what Colossians 4.4 says. When I asked a senior in high school from our community group how he was going to continue to build his worldview, he profoundly said, stay true. That's how you build a foundation. That's how you build a biblical worldview. Stay true. Let's pray. Father, I just I thank you. For verses that like they declare your, your heart and your intention that you desire everyone to be saved. And Father, I would pray that you would continue through through using us and others that our community would would hear the truth. It would like harpoon them. Father, I pray that the powerful word would, would have its effect. That people would not suppress it, would not reject it, would not exchange it for a lie. You are so good to us in giving us the spiritual armor. Like we're not defenseless. The spirit of truth you have given to us. And in that, we can not only just merely like exist during the fiery times of the devil, but we can be successful because of you. I thank you for truth. I thank you that you are truth and that it gushes from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.